and we welcome you into another edition of Running for the Roses. I am Ryan Baffalukas, joined by Lucas Rohde. Patrick Wagner, under the weather, has a uh, nasty cold. We're told it's a non-COVID illness, and he will be missing this week's show. Hopefully, he sends in his picks, and uh, we'll get things going here now, Lucas. Uh, week zero, um, first of all, how excited were you to get college football back? Were you... Was it a scale of one to ten? And and do you like week zero? Do you like getting a little bit of a little bit of a taste before the main course here this weekend? I do. I mean, I'm never going to turn down more football. Um, I'm still a lifetime XFL fan for the six weeks that it lasted. Uh, just because I won't <laughs> the have uh, what's the other one? The uh, alliance yeah, the, of of American football. And there it is. Um, yeah. Which is uh, which is what the Pac-12, the big. T- uh, the Pac-12, the ACC, and the Big Ten are about to become. But yep. uh, uh, but no, I really like it. I think it, it's just perfect. It's just like a good enough appetizer. It makes you care about games and programs that you never forward. really would have cared of at all. Um, the fact that we both put money on UConn to, uh, <laughs> to cover. <laughs> I would never Fair. make that bet in a million years, but I Fair was enough. so aching. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it's kind of what you expected. A lot of blowout games. But we had one good... I guess, okay game between Illinois and Nebraska, which uh, I think we were kind of talking about, you know, even though no national title implications in that game, not even close, not even really big 10 title implications in that game, but like just really an interesting standpoint, one with Illinois, with Brett Bielma coming back to the big 10. I think a lot of people were interested to see how they would look. Uh, And I thought they actually looked pretty well for a team under a first year head coach. Uh, but I think the biggest story, obviously, uh, was Nebraska. And just kind of year four under Scott Frost, and it just seems like the same bad issues with that team. Yeah, so Nebraska loses in Champaign 30-22, to um, despite outgaining Illinois in total yards. Um, sorry. Um, my mom was calling me. I said, Mom, can't do it. We're doing the podcast. Um <laughs> To me, this is one of the more inexplicable losses that a team that that, that I can remember. Um, when, when you look at year four with Scott Frost, year one with Brett Bielema, Brandon Peters goes down at the end of the first quarter, and and they have to play Art Sikowski, who lost out on the Rutgers quarterback competition and came to Illinois during the summer. Um, and at one point they were down thirty to nine. Mm-hmm. In the uh, in the second half, they came out of halftime and surrendered a 14 play, 75 yard drive in eight minutes. Um, they looked undisciplined. They got out coached. Scott Frost came out today and said, "Yeah, half our offense went out the door the minute they lined up that way on 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 defense." <laughs> you know, I mean, it has been a comedy of errors for Nebraska. And they're taking their hits this year, or uh, you know, this week. All the major columns and and everything was about Scott Frost and and when is it going to be over? And how long do they leave him out there? Because you know they still have to play Wisconsin, Oklahoma, Ohio State, and Michigan. I mean, Nebraska had one of the toughest schedules in the country, yeah. and they lose to Illinois, the team that finished last. Now we should say Illinois beat them last year in 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 uh, in Lincoln. In Lincoln, yeah. Yeah, they smoked them 41-23. But just 
inexplicable to lose a game to where your opposing team's starting quarterback goes out and they have to play a backup who just wasn't, you know, very highly thought of. It's not like a not like Alabama brings in Bryce Young or Clemson brings in DJ. Like this is a guy that lost out to the Rutgers quarterback competition. So, but listen, like kudos to Illinois. I'm going to give Brett Bielema my uh, my rose here when we get to that part of the of, nice. of the show because they looked well coached. They didn't commit. I think they had four penalties on on the on the day. Um, I liked what they did on offense. They got the ball to Isaiah Williams quite a bit. They they really once Peters went down, you could tell that they were not ready for it, but they had a game plan to take the ball out of. Art Sikowski's hand as much as possible, make him comfortable, use the running game. And they ran for over 160 yards and get the ball into the hands of their playmakers as much as possible. So credit to Illinois, but I do think it reflects more so on Scott Frost. It reflects more so on Nebraska for, you know, just the debacle that happened on Saturday. Yeah. And the fact that, you know, when, and, and not to harp too much on it, but, you know, with Scott Frost, when he came in, you know, you know, offensive guru, you know, was an assistant under Chip Kelly when they had those crazy Oregon teams. He was the offensive coordinator when they made the national title game. And obviously we've seen what they've done at UC, what he did at UCF. But you look at like a guy like uh, Adrian Martinez, who after a pretty promising freshman year has either basically flatlined or has regressed and that just looks like there's no playmaking really on that offense. Um, the, their biggest play of the game was basically a broken play. Um, uh, and you know, good play by Andrea Martinez, but yeah. Um, and kind of like you said, and you know, Isaiah Williams is a good player for Illinois, but I believe he was like their third string quarterback last year. Um, I believe he was, um, yeah. So from the, yeah, so from what I read, Williams was a quarterback in the spring, and they moved him to wide receiver after fall after spring because they knew he was wasn't going to be able to do what they wanted. Yeah, um, and I know he was largely recruited, I think, as an athlete. Um, and one of the biggest reasons he went to Illinois was they offered him as a quarterback. But no, I think you look at the side, Illinois, good debut for them. Uh, that helps them. I don't know if they're a bold team, but. Um, a nice win to build off of in Nebraska. Uh, it's going to be a long, uh, long year in Lincoln. Uh, I can now understand why Scott Frost wanted to cancel that Oklahoma game. Cause that, I don't even want to know what the point they might have a futures bet already on that for, uh, yeah. for a spread, but I can't imagine it's gotta be around like four touchdowns. Yeah. That that's what I was thinking. At least 28 to 30 points, which is yeah. to, for, to, for Nebraska to be an underdog by 30 points points is is just not a good feeling um how funny would it be if illinois makes a bowl game in year one before scott frost would have made a bowl game with nebraska i mean that's just (laughs) listen i was going over illinois schedule um they have a path to a bowl game here i mean you get utsa this week their their uh their other non-conference games virginia which maybe probably isn't a game i would say they win but it's winnable Mm -hmm. the the two teams they draw two of the three teams they draw from the east are rutgers and minnesota Oh yeah, sorry, Rutgers and Maryland. Maryland. Yeah, Maryland. Rutgers and Maryland, and you. I mean, if you can get Purdue, maybe you get Northwestern if they're down this year. Maybe this is one of those weird Northwestern years. Like, there's a path now. Brandon Peters missing some time. We'll see how long he misses. That mm-hmm. will hurt them. But regardless, like if you look at Nebraska, 
you know, their issue from what I've read is what is the buyout going to come down to with Scott Frost? Uh, This is a lot like what Tennessee did with Jeremy Pruitt, where you launch an investigation and it helps you in negotiating a settlement with the buyout. Right now, Scott Frost, if he gets fired, would be owed $20 million. If you get that down to 10, you know, they fire him probably before the season ends. Um, So I think that's something to keep an eye on. It's not if, but when. And then our, our one of our favorite topics is is who steps in at Nebraska and who who do they look at and they were so laser focused on Frost. I don't even think yes. they did a real coaching search last year or you know last time around. And and mm-hmm. you know it's not it, it's not that Scott Frost wasn't a the right fit at the time, but he only had two years of coaching experience. He he was a head coach at UCF for two years. I believe they went six and six, and then yeah. the, their last year they went twelve and zero. Mm-hmm. So certainly, like he he took over an zero and twelve team, and they ended his tenure twelve and zero. But he's only there for two years. Um, he was did not have a chance to kind of have sustained success to build a program to break in new quarterbacks. I mean, you know, stuff like that. And so it'll be interesting to see what route Nebraska goes. Um, Lucas, looking around at at week zero, um, we'll just go over the scores here because there weren't a lot of them. Fresno State forty five nothing over UConn. UCLA looks good. Chip Kelly, year four, 44-10 over Todd Graham in Hawaii. UTEP beats New Mexico State 30-3. And then the reigning Mountain West champion, San Jose State, a big win over Southern Utah, Mm. um, who gets Arizona State on Thursday um, Mm. in Tempe. Anything else from Week Zero catch your eye or anything else you want to kind of touch on from the uh, the last week before we give out some roses? Yeah, I think after watching UCLA play – you know, I, I thought they were at least a bowl eligible team this year. Um, I'm a lot more intrigued, and we'll talk about the game in a little bit, them coming up next week against LSU. Um, but obviously, besides that, um, I don't think anything unexpected. Um, a little bit disappointed in the reigning national champs laying an egg on the road in Fresno. but uh, Brutal. Brutal. Um, that extra rest of a year and a half did not pay off. Um, but uh, no, otherwise... Not too many takeaways. Um, it wasn't like we had any major things. Um, but that's why I'm excited about this week because I think we're going to learn about a lot of these teams um, here in week one because I think yeah. we have a lot of really good matchups. It's a really good week one. Um, there's some intriguing Thursday games, some intriguing Friday games, and then obviously the main course on Saturday. Before we get there, let's just hand out some roses. We do this every week. We hand out weekly roses. It can be a coach, it can be a player, it can be a play, it could be anything. Um, I'll go first. I'm going to give my rose. I hinted to it earlier to Brett Bielema, the head coach of Illinois. Uh, kind of a tumultuous last half decade or so for Brett. He's fired from Arkansas, goes to the NFL, coached with the Patriots. He was with the New York Giants last season as an outside linebackers coach and comes back to the Big Ten, probably where where he belongs. And um, in doing some reading, I was kind of reading about the Illinois Nebraska game and, and it seems like he's doing all the right things right now in terms of the recruiting, in terms of getting the fans kind of engaged with that program. And I think if you're Illinois, you're just hoping to get to a bowl game on a consistent basis. I don't know if there's anything else you can get from that program, but a really good start to the Brett Bielema era when you can beat a division rival, um, with your backup quarterback, Coming off a two and six season, I think that's a really good sign of things to come for uh, for the fight in the line. I not saying they're they're in the Nebraska or not the um, the Iowa Wisconsin tier of that of that division anytime soon, but 
certainly better than getting the doors blown off you. And uh, so I, I give Brett Bielow my uh, my first rose of 2021. Lucas, uh, what about you? Uh, yeah, so I'm going to stay in that same game, and I'm actually going to give it to the quarterback that did replace Bram Peters, and that was uh, Art Sitowski. Now, when you look at the stats, nothing really stood out. I mean, 12 of 15, over 120 yards, two touchdowns, was efficient. Um, I thought I actually played pretty well uh, coming in in some crazy circumstances. Like you said, this was a guy who lost uh, the starting quarterback job at Rutgers last year, who uh, in his freshman year at Rutgers, threw four touchdowns and 18 interceptions. Um, so I think that could have been a real turning point in that game. And we'll see how long Brandon Peters is out. I believe he was in a sling uh, once he came back from the locker room. But I'm going to give it to Arch Stowski for uh, not only uh, keeping Illinois in that game, but helping them. Uh, he was kind of the difference maker there in the second half for them. Uh, so I'm going to go with, uh, with Arch Stowski. Probably the only time... Uh, we both give roses to the fighting Illini this year. Great for Illinois, man. Great for Illinois getting that, getting that star treatment here in, uh, in week zero. (laughs) All righty. Let's move on to week one. Um, It technically starts Wednesday. Uh, Jacksonville state hosts UAB on ESPN, but it really gets going Thursday. Well, I guess we'll kind of take this kind of chronologically here. We'll start with the games on Thursday. Highlighted by Boise State and UCF on ESPN. Um, South Florida, NC State on ACC Network. Ohio State, Minnesota on Fox at 5 p.m. Our Arizona State Sun Devils uh, host Southern Utah. Um, Lucas, of the Thursday games, are there any, like, which one or ones do you kind of want to want to touch on here? Yeah, yeah. so I think uh, the two that probably stick out the most um, one is, I think, Boise State and UCF, and then the other one for me being Ohio State, Minnesota. I think with Boise State, UCF, I think if you look at, you know, really the last past decade, obviously with Boise State, probably the best group of five program over the last 15 years, maybe two decades. Um, and then you, you're going on the road at, you know, Central Florida, and it's Gus Malzahn's debut. And I think... We, we both really liked that coaching hire when they did make it. Um, you know, they do get their starting uh, uh, quarterback back as well. Um, and Boise State's breaking in a new head coach because their head coach left for Gus Malzahn's old job um, and see if they're going to be able to – is it Andy Avalos that's their new head coach? I believe uh, so, but I'm not 100% sure. Hang on. Uh, coming over from, uh, from Oregon. Um, so interested to see that because um, we figure both those teams will be fighting for that New Year's six spot towards the end of the year. And whoever wins this obviously has a leg up. Um, and then with Ohio State, Minnesota, I think, uh, you know, I think everyone's interested to see that Ohio State offense. If CJ Stroud's the real deal. That offense could be one of the best, if not the best in the entire country. Uh, but they're on the road at Minneapolis. And I think one of the things you mentioned or I was going to say too about being excited for weeks here was just seeing full stands again in college football. Yep. Um, you know, and I'm excited. That place is probably going to be packed in Minneapolis. There was no fans there last year. Um, and you know, they have Tanner Morgan back. They have Mo Ibrahim who led the big 10 uh, uh, in rushing last season. So I think Minnesota should put up a fight. I don't know if their defense it's going to be the holdup. I don't know what defense in the Big Ten might be able to hold up to Ohio State this year. Uh, but I think a Thursday night game primetime 
uh, will be a fun game uh, against those two. Um, I was going to say, any thoughts from you on any of those games or any other games that we didn't talk about? Yeah, um, I think selfishly, I'll, I'll be looking at um, ASU. Um, I, I actually saw somebody offering tickets and thought about getting them, but, you know, it's going to be like 104 degrees on Thursday. It's <laughs> going to be tough. Um, I'm really interested in the Minnesota-Ohio State game because obviously we want to see what C.J. Stroud looks like. I'm interested to see if any other Ohio State quarterbacks get in, whether it's for garbage time or another reason. And, you know, what is this season for P.J. Fleck? Is is this closer to 2019 or is it closer to 2020? Are they closer to Wisconsin and Iowa, or are they closer to Nebraska and Purdue in that conference? Like, I truly think they are one of the biggest X factors in the Big Ten. Yeah. And listen, if, if you can, I think the line was 14 and a half. Mm-hmm. If you can keep it within there, I think that's a, that's a success for, for Minnesota. You know, if, yeah. if, if you can have a good showing and you lose by 17 or 14 or something like that, it's going to give you some positive, positive momentum because they are going to have a bit of a showcase. It's, it's the only game on Fox that night. The only big 10 game, I believe that night, um, I guess Rutgers plays temple, but you know, that's it. Um, <laughs> what a barn burner that'll be in the, uh, in the scattaway. There's tickets. I'm looking at the ESPN, like the schedule and they have like the ticket prices. There's tickets as low as $7 for uh, Rutgers temple. If you want to go see that game. Um, and so, you know, what is PJ flex got? I mean, that's got, that team has a lot back. They lose Rashad Bateman, but you have Tanner Morgan back who I think we talked about could be top three or four quarterback Mm -hmm. in that league. I mean, maybe, maybe the best returning quarterback you could say. So again, it's, it's, are we going to get 2019 or 2020 Minnesota? Cause I, I just think, and, and maybe we saw it a little bit in week zero, for the Big Ten and the Pac-12, you, you kind of got to throw out 2020. I mean, you just yeah. it was such a weird start start the start the year in November, COVID, empty stadiums, like just got to throw it out. So it'll be interesting to see what Minnesota looks like. And then I think the Boise State game, you you covered it really well. It's Gus Malzahn first year at UCF. Andy Avalos is the coach, a former Oregon offensive coordinator. Uh, at comes back to Boise State where uh, he was a player. That's really intriguing. What is UCF going to be? We talked about them in our group of five episode of, are they going to be closer to the 13 and 0 UCF teams or the eight and four teams? So um, I'm interested in that. Um, let's, let's move on to Friday, North Carolina, Virginia tech, I think highlights the slate. And I think the other game to kind of look at is Michigan state North Northwestern, both those games on ESPN. Some other games you have Duke and Charlotte, old dominion at wake forest. Um, that's really it, I guess. South, South Dakota yeah. State plays uh, Colorado State, but we'll we'll save that for another time. Um, <laughs> I, I think with North Carolina, Virginia Tech, I mean, we're starting to see more of these conference openers, which I, I think is a good sign because mm-hmm. um, I think it kind of used to be the kind of stereotypical, you play an FCS opponent week one, then you play a group of five opponent, then you play a power five. Non- it's, and I think it's nice that we're starting, some teams Shaking are going to jump. a little bit. Yeah, you're going to jump right in and, North Carolina is a team that a lot of people are high on. I think they're pretty well the clear favorite in the Coastal, along with Miami. They get a tough test. Blacksburg is never easy. It's a a really great atmosphere. Like you said, fans coming back in the full stadium for the first time in over a year. I'll be interested to see how Sam Howell looks, how some of those young North Carolina defenders. um, Mac Brown's been really doing a nice job on the recruiting trail. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And I don't know if this is a breakthrough 10, 11 win year for North Carolina, but it could be close. They have a, a they have a quarterback who's a projected first round pick. They got a lot of talent on offense and defense. They have to replace a lot on offense. You lost Diami Brown. You lost Michael Carter, Javante Williams. So a lot of skill position question marks for the Tar Heels as they go up to Blacksburg. But I think that's the game that I'll be looking at most closely uh, on Friday, Lucas. Yeah, and I think looking at the other side, you know, we thought Justin Fuente was was done last year. Um, they ended up bringing him back for another season. Um, sounds like that's another buyout thing. I think his buyout goes down considerably this year. Um, but is that is is this a Virginia Tech that's going to you know fight and play hard for their head coach, or is this one where that they, they get behind? early against North Carolina, they just kind of let it go. Um, Cause I really don't know what type of season this is going to be for the Hokies, but Blacksburg is still a tough place to play uh, year in and year out. Um, I was going to say other games on Friday, uh, Michigan state Northwestern, maybe Michigan state. It could be, but also I, I don't, I don't know if either one of those two teams are going to be very good. Um, I think for both of those, I think, they each need those wins if they want to make a bowl game this year. Um, I think Michigan State was the only team in the regular. Michigan State actually beat Northwestern last year. Um, they were their only regular season. That's right. <laughs> um, and they beat them. I think that game it was that game. That game might have also been at Northwestern as well. Um, and the atmosphere is no different with fans or without fans at Northwestern. So that didn't really play a factor. <laughs> um, and, and so. But that's a game I'm probably going to be paying attention to just because it's a Friday night. It's Big Ten football. Um, and like I said, it's a big game for either of those teams. Also, underrated game. Kansas, maybe their best shot at against South Dakota. Yeah. So, so here's the thing. If you took the over one and a half for Kansas on the win total, you need this one. Yes, you, you really that that Becky could rip up that ticket on on Saturday morning <laughs> if you lose this one. Um, because yeah, the rest of their they're not confident. I don't think they're going to win. Maybe they have a chance against a Baylor, um, but I don't see it. But then they have Duke. They're not going to beat Coastal Carolina. Um, but yeah, it's the only chance for my new uh, Fighting Lance Leipolds to get a win. And if they don't, it could be a bad first season for him there in. Uh, there in Lawrence. Um, so I didn't tell you that I was going to do this, but let's just do some quick picks against the spread. Just real quick. Okay. I'm going to give you the number. I have to use Caesars because my FanDuel app is like not not working here. Yeah. Boise State plus four and a half. Them or UCF? Ooh, that's plus four and a half. That's, uh, I think it's like five, five and a half on it's FanDuel. Five, it's five and a half on FanDuel. Yeah. Um. I, I got to say, I like UCF. It's, if it's four and a half, I like UCF. I do too. Um, you know, it could be a game. Like I said, um, it's probably going to be a relatively high scoring game, but it's at UCF. It's at, at the same. It's literally called the bounce house. Their stadium is. Um, so I, I, yeah, I like UCF right there. Four and a half at home. Um, they cover that. They might cover that easily. Yeah. Tennessee. Host Bowling Green on Thursday. They're 35 and a half point favorites. <laughs> now, I know what you might think be thinking. Bowling Green is a catastrophe. They are awful. But do you trust Tennessee with the first game with Josh Heupel? They just named Joe Milton their starting quarterback. 
So Joe Milton will be the guy. You trust Tennessee to cover by five touchdowns. Well, then again, I thought, look, Joel Milton, though, last year, week one. Looked great against Minnesota. Looked great against Minnesota. And I think this Bowling Green defense is going to be a hell of a lot worse than Minnesota last year. Um, And I think with Josh Heupel there, I think this team is going to be fun offensively. Um, It might be able to put on some points. Do I know if they're going to do it week one? I'd actually would take that. I would take the 35 and a half. I could see them winning like I think I would too. 40, 49 7 or 49 yeah. 10 or something. A like um, couple more quick ones here. You don't have to comment, but just ones. Yeah, I, yeah. I I almost picked. So Old Dominion, Wake Forest. Old Dominion's a 31 point underdog. I almost picked them as my upset because um, Wake lost Donovan Green, their best uh, wide receiver in the preseason. And I just don't know if Wake would cover 31. And then. Michigan State Northwestern is a field goal right now. So Northwestern's minus three. Uh, Michigan Ooh. State plus three. So basically like home field advantage, basically. Yeah. Um, so a couple, uh, couple ones to uh, to look at there. All right. Let's yeah. get to let's get to Saturday here. So these are kind of – these are the big games on Saturday. So Penn State-Wisconsin is a noon Eastern on Fox. Mm-hmm. Um. Alabama, Miami, twelve thirty on ABC. Indiana, Iowa, twelve thirty on Big Ten Network. These are all Pacific time. Um, Texas and Louisiana Lafayette on Fox, and then the big one in the evening is Georgia and Clemson, a battle of two top five teams. Mm-hmm. LSU visits the Rose Bowl to take on UCLA at five thirty on Fox. Your Pac twelve after dark action. Is Arizona hosting BYU and uh, Washington State and Utah State? Um, so Lucas, with the focus on the Saturday games, you want to start in uh, where you're going to be in Camp yeah. Randall. At Camp Randall, I will be there at eleven o'clock. Section BB, aisle or row one, seats A, B, and C. So if you're looking to find me, <laughs> uh, but um, but no, I I think this game. For the Big Ten, I think this is the best game in the Big Ten this or this week. Yeah, um, and it's two teams that I think are trying to shake off bad 2020s. I mean, Penn State, Wisconsin, both had down years uh, for their standards. Penn State started off 0 and 5, um, and I think both of them want to come out and basically say that last year was a fluke. I think, and this is kind of with all of these games, if you're hosting a home game this year. I, I just can't imagine what the adrenaline and the feeling is going to be like for the fans, but also for the players. Because, uh, like in Wisconsin, we played with no fans all year last year. And now you're going to have 80,000 strong uh, there at Camp Randall. So it wouldn't shock me if the players are a little too hyped and things like that for the game. But, um, and I think uh, for Penn State, you know, uh, Mike Yursich coming in as their offense coordinator. Another year with, uh, uh, you know, Sean Clifford. Can they kind of make that work? Because um, that was kind of the issue last year. And Sean Clifford really hasn't impressed me the last couple of years as their starter. Um, but it should be an overall, I think, a, a really good game. And like I said, it, it leads us to every every time slot this Saturday has one or two very good headline games in each time slot, which is just fantastic. Usually week one, you might have one or two time slots that have a big game. Um, yeah. But I think Alabama and Miami intrigues me. I, 
uh, preview, I might this. I'm picking one of these two teams for one of our three picks. Hey, so am I. Uh, so, <laughs> oh my! We'll see which side we're on on that one. Um, but I just think I think this game is. I think we're interested to see Bryce Young. I mean, what are you looking at in that game specifically? Uh, yeah, so I will uh, just give you a little preview. I'm not on the Miami side, so I am on the other side. Um, I think with Alabama, there's a lot to replace, right? You lose Jalen Waddle, you lose Najee Harris, um, you lose, obviously, Mac Jones. They were a bit of a, in a similar situation last year, right? They lose Tua, they had lost um, Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs, and things worked out well for them. This is kind of the Alabama playbook of like, we're going to play a big brand team on a neutral site. I'm just going to give you some examples of some recent games. Uh, 2017, they played Jimbo in Florida State. They won 24 7. That was kind of the, the kind of the start of the downfall of the, the Jimbo years. Yeah. Uh, 2018, they opened with against Louisville. They won 51 14. 2019, they opened against Duke. They won 42 3. And then last year, they played the all. They, um, they played Missouri. They won 38-19. So these are games Alabama typically does pretty well in. Um, yeah. I'm interested to see with Miami, like, again, kind of like the kind of like the what we talked about with Minnesota. Like, can you keep this close? The line is 18 and a half. Can you cover? Can you keep it within three scores? How good are you going to look? I think for Miami, the biggest thing is how good does De'Ara King look? I mean, does, yeah. does, does, does De'Ara King look like the guy that got a lot of Heisman love the last couple of seasons. Um, can you, do you look like you can compete with North Carolina in that division? Mm-hmm. You have a brutal start with Alabama. Um, and a lot of eyeballs will be watching you, but I don't think a lot of people have very, a lot of expectations for Miami in, in, in this game. So I would just keep it close. I mean, I would just keep it close I'm interested to see how Alabama replaces some of the guys. I mean, Bryce Young, I think we all know is going to be good, mm-hmm. but you never know. Um, we know that Alabama is going to have the skill guys, um, but we don't know if they're going to be as electric as Jalen Waddle. So that'll be interesting to see. Um, another game that I think is, is a little intriguing to me, um, I think in the 9 a.m. games, like Michigan, Western Michigan's kind of – that's like that's the game that you look at. Like you're you're watching Penn State Wisconsin, and you flip over at halftime, and it's like ten to three Michigan, and you're like, oh no, what the hell is happening? <laughs> you know, like you're just like it's the game that's like it's like a game break Western Michigan like eighty yard touchdown run, and you're like, oh no. So just like what is what does it look like for Jim Harbaugh? Um, Kansas State Stanford, I think, is another kind of intriguing Power Five Power Five game. Like David Shaw already criticized the time. You know, can I think Stanford should win that game? And if Stanford is a a team that can contend in the North with with Oregon and Washington, and that's a game that they need to win because mm-hmm. Kansas State's kind of a middle to bottom tier Big Twelve team, but tough spot for Stanford to go on the road. It's in a neutral site game, but it'll be eleven a.m. Um, local time kick in Arlington at Jerry's World. Um, Lucas, couple other games. Go ahead. No, I was going to say that's such an odd neutral site game yeah uh stanford kansas state not that they're not good brands but uh reminds me of like when texas tech and ole miss played each other in in houston uh one year it's just uh um just interesting but yeah and, and going off of that the 11 o'clock game i remember when they did that what was that against northwestern 
Um, and they like they just dropped Stanford just dropped an egg. I remember it cost them potentially a college yep. football playoff spot that yep. year. Yep. Um, but uh, but yeah, but yeah, it, kind of just moving on on that slate. I think uh, sticking in the in your twelve thirty time slot or our two thirty time slot, um, right when uh, Alabama Miami is going on, you have Indiana yep. uh, and Iowa on Big Ten Network. Um, once again, I think kind of the opposite of Wisconsin and Penn state where those two teams are trying to kind of turn away from 2020. These both, these two teams are trying to build on from 2020 Uh, Indiana, maybe potentially had the best season in their history. Um, And Iowa after starting off 0 and 2 rattled off six straight wins. And we're looking like probably the best team uh, in the West. They they're, Two losses were by each by one possession. Uh, kind of figured out they do have to replace a lot uh, on the defensive line, uh, which is usually a, a pretty big strength for Iowa. They have to, uh, Amir Smith Marset, their leading wide receiver, is gone, um, who was a pretty dynamic playmaker for them on the outside. But they do get Spencer Petras back, and then he has Michael Penix back, um, and a lot of their top guys um, uh, from last year and Trey Freifogel. Uh, um, so that'll be an interesting game once again at Iowa when there was no fans last year. That's one of the toughest places to play um, on the road. So interesting to see that. I also think West Virginia, Maryland uh, could be a really fun game uh, with Neil Brown in his third year, had a nice six and four season with West Virginia last year in uh, Maryland. I thought showed glimpses of what they could be under Mike's Loxley um, and seeing what uh, Tulia Tugavailoa could bring. Uh, to the table. I was going to ask you, you, you kind of brought up lines for that game specifically. Maryland is a two and a half point favorite in that game. What are your thoughts? I think I would probably take West Virginia just because I'm not used to having to pick Maryland to be good. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) It's just one of those, like I would be more inclined to take West Virginia because I've seen it more recently with them. Mm -hmm. Um, Man, that's an interesting line. That's an interesting line. I have no idea what to think about Maryland. I, 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 I just feel like they're like the forgotten team in the Big Ten East. Like you've got the heavyweights of Ohio State, Penn State, and then Indiana and Michigan are like in that upper class. And like, I don't think Maryland's at the Rutgers level, but I feel like them and like Michigan State, like I have no idea. Like they could go, Maryland could go eight and four or four and eight. Like, I just don't know. Like same thing yeah. with like Michigan State. Um, that That's a really good one too. That's, a, that's an intriguing game. A couple other ones in that kind of, uh, time frame that I'll uh, touch on here. Louisiana and Texas, uh, 1.30 on Fox, 3.30 Central Time, 4.30 Eastern. I'm going to have a pick in this game for our, our picks podcast or our uh, picks part of the podcast. So I won't dive too far into this, but I'll still never forget Tom Herman's first game at Texas. It was a, it was a 9 a.m. local kick against Maryland, ironically. And they lost. And, and Tom Herman never recovered. And if you're Steve Sarkeesian, you have a really tough opener against a ranked group of five team that, you know, you're just kind of in a no-win situation. If you beat Louisiana, everyone's going to say you should have. You had the better team, the higher-rated recruits. If you lose to them, you lost to a group of five team. It doesn't matter that Louisiana could be a top 15 team or top 10 team when the season ends. You lost to them. Mm-hmm. Indiana or uh, Louisiana, I think, returns 20 starters. They return their quarterback, a lot of firepower back. Billy Napier's back. Billy Napier's going to want to make a big statement 
uh, the first week of the season. So I'm really interested to see the line is Louisiana plus eight and a half. Um, I think that's a too big of a line just as an early heads up for where I'm going with that. Like, <laughs> um, but I'm just interested to see like Texas name Hudson Cord, the starting quarterback, the, the retro freshman, but they also announced that you could see two quarterbacks playing, which is never a good sign. Bijan Robinson is one of the best running backs in the country mm-hmm. from Tucson and, and he'll be a, a sophomore. So Louisiana, Texas is intriguing. And then to kind of wrap up my portion of the afternoon games, USC San Jose state. Um, mm. I almost went with a pick in this game. Let me try to find the line here, but um, I got, I, I saw 14 and a half on fan. That sounds about right. Let's see. I'm on Caesars right now and it is 14. So yeah. Okay. San, San Jose state, I believe they had an undefeated regular season. They lost in the bowl game to ball, uh, to ball state. Um, Brett, Brett Brennan, I think is a guy that we thought may have gotten, should have gotten looks at bigger jobs, ends up staying there. But, you know, every year we say the same thing, make or break year for Clay Hilton. And this truly could be a make or break year for Clay Hilton, um, because Utah has to break in a new quarterback. ASU is going through a ton of stuff off the field. And I just read that two starting offensive linemen for the Sun Devils are going to miss a lot of time this year. So they could be behind the eight ball. This is this is the big year for USC. If you're going to take a jump, 9, 10, 11 wins, you can't be not even ha- having a lackadaisical performance against San Jose State. I think you have to really thump them and, and cover that spread. And I, I think they will. I don't think San Jose, San Jose State is as good as it showed last year. And uh, But we'll see. I mean, you know, USC won the Pac-12 South, could not play in the Pac-12 ch- championship game because of some COVID issues. But they got a lot of firepower back. I mean... Keaton Slovis is back. Drake Jackson's back. Um, they got a lot of talented players on offense. So, you know, Corey Foreman, the number one way to recruit on defense. I'll be looking at uh, some some of those matchups. And then, Lucas, as we get into kind of the 4 to 5 o'clock Pacific time, 7 to 8 o'clock, 6 to 7 o'clock mm-hmm. Central and East Coast time, these are some games that stand out. The big one is Georgia-Clemson. Um, five versus number three. That's a neutral site game on ABC in Charlotte. I guess we should just go there unless you want to talk Akron Auburn, but I'm guessing you want to maybe talk <laughs> guessing. Maybe we'll touch on Clemson. Uh, I, you know what? <laughs> you know why I mentioned Auburn Akron because Akron's 36 point dogged. And I was like, man, that's a big line. That's a big line. It's like, they're just, Daring you to take it. Oh. They're daring you to take it, and Auburn wins 45 nothing. But anyway. Because, well, did Akron, did we ever find out about <laughs> the pending the penny charges? The pending charges. <laughs> oh, man, uh, that's good. But, All right, uh, so Georgia Clemson. Um, yes. I think, obviously, the biggest game of the weekend, and the winner catapults itself into a legit national title contender. The loser, I don't think, is by any way out of the college football playoff discussion, especially if it's Clemson. Um, but what are you, what are you kind of, where do you want to take this game here? Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's one of those games where, like you said, it's kind of, I feel like it's a lose, lose though. I do think if you're Clemson, I think this is, I think for playoff wise, this is probably a bigger game for Clemson because I mean, the rest of their schedule in the ACC is is really nothing. They're not going to be really picking up any more high-quality wins. 
But I think just mentally and also just for the narrative on Georgia, I think this is just a huge game. Um, I think the knack on Georgia, even before Kirby Smart, was always talented, but can never win the big games when they need to. And I think people are looking this year with Alabama having a new quarterback, with them bringing back JT Daniels. We know their defense is going to be fantastic. Um, you know, Zamir White coming back at tailback. I mean, they're they're pretty loaded. They did, I uh, believe, they did lose Arik Gilbert, the LSU transfer. Um, so that limit a little bit of their firepower on offense. But yeah, this might be the best complete team by George uh, uh, for Georgia. And you're playing Clemson. Clemson's going to be ultra talented. They're ranked number three for a reason. Um, uh, with DJU at quarterback, I don't really think they're going to lose a ton of a step. But this is when you probably want to play a team like Clemson because he only has one start under his belt. Um, and you really just want to, uh, I think really send a message. So I think narrative wise, it's a bigger game for Georgia. However, I think if Clemson loses this game, um, look, if they go 11 and one or 12 and one, they win the ACC and this is their only loss. They're more than likely in, but I just, it wouldn't shock me if I, we could see them potentially slip up against one of their teams, even though the rest of their schedule is a complete cakewalk. Um, but I think it puts a little bit more pressure on them. Yeah, I think you really described this game perfectly. It it, it means more for Georgia's reputation. I think mm-hmm. um, Georgia has Georgia's the team that has a quarterback returning in JT Daniels. Like you said, they have they have Zamir White. The defense is always going to be good um, for Clemson. Also, like you said, this is the time to get them. You know, DJ has one start. They're replacing Travis Etienne. They're replacing Amari Rogers. I think there are some questions about this secondary and, and is it going, are you going to have an Amari Rogers? Are you going to have a, a Watkins, a Hopkins? I mean, all the great receivers Clemson's produced, they usually have one or two a year that you can pencil in to the first, second or third round in the NFL draft. Well, I, I don't know if, if one is there this year, is that Justin Ross? Like we don't know. So I think, um, I think this is a great – I think it's going to be a 50-50 crowd. I think Georgia's got a great chance to win the game and really set themselves up to be the year. I mean, listen, they've already played for a national championship under Kirby. Mm-hmm. Um, they lost to Tua in Alabama four years ago, I think, five years ago. Four years ago. Um, it seems like with the quarter – with what JT Daniels showed the back half of the season, like this should be it for Georgia. I think they will win this game. I think they should win this game. It would not surprise me if Clemson won. It would not surprise me if it's a low-scoring game. Like, the best bet might be the under, like, whatever it is. Um, because I think these are two good defenses, and, like, I could easily see a game in the 20s. But I think just I, – I give Georgia the edge because of the experience on offense because I think both these defenses are going to be really, really good. Yeah, the over-under is 51.5 on FanDuel right now. Um, so, pretty... If I, could bet, if, if I could bet in my state, that, 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 might, be, that, that might be a bet for me. Because I, yeah. I just think this is a, like a 46, 47, 48 point game. Like 27-21, yeah. 24-21, 23-20, something like that. Yeah. Um, with how good these defenses are. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So other games kind of in that uh, time slot, Oregon State plays Purdue, Akron, Auburn. 
you got it kind of slows down to be honest. Lucas, Florida Atlantic plays Florida. Willie Taggart's at Florida Atlantic. Um, the Friday, Brett Bielema's get UTSA. Um, they're only oh. they're only five and a half point. Uh, yeah, that's kind of an interesting line. I I thought about being like, do I go with Illinois again? Just keep riding it on my with my picks, but I think it's the uncertainty of Brandon Peters. But that's sons of a, kind of a weird line that they're only five and a half point. Uh, let's talk LSU UCLA. It's it's eight thirty Eastern, seven thirty Central, five thirty Pacific in the Rose Bowl. Uh, the line I believe is LSU three and a half. Thought about taking it, did not end up taking it as part of my picks this week. Um, but, you know, this is a big game for LSU. I, I think kind of in that Georgia, Clemson, like, I think UCLA has expectations, but not crazy expectations, yeah. right? Um, but LSU has the expectations to compete in the SEC West with Alabama. Mm-hmm. It was a disastrous 2020. You lose against Mississippi State at home in game one. You never really recover. You get a nice win at, at Florida, um, or I think at home against Florida. But, you know, we know it's going to be Max. It's going to be Max Johnson, right? Miles Brennan got hurt. Okay. Yeah. I wanted to make sure I, I had that right. It's going to be Miles. It's going to be Max Johnson. Uh, they got a ton of talent on defense, led by Derek Stingley. Um, they're playing on the road at UCLA, a team that just put up 44. I think this is a game LSU wins by 7 to 14 points. They should control it. But if they lose it, you are going to see some Scott Frost-level hot seat talk with Ed Orgeron, which is crazy considering he just won a national title two years ago. But um, where where are you kind of uh, – where do you want to go with the, uh, the Tigers and the Bruins here? Yeah, I think um, kind of basing that off what you said – uh, I'm interested to see how LSU's defense holds up against UCLA, kind of for different reasons. Uh, we mentioned the, the opener last year. We saw Bo Pelini's defense get absolutely shredded by the air raid, gave up 600-plus points to a team that ended up not being a very good offensive team at all the rest of the year in Mississippi State. Um, but on the opposite side, UCLA – runs the ball very effectively. They yes. 244 yards. Uh, Zach Charbonnet had 106 yards and six carries last week against Hawaii. Um, and they have a very um, high upperclassman offensive line. And LSU struggled against the run last year and all, and basically in all other phases of defense, they brought in two new coordinators on both sides of the ball to kind of revamp that. Um, so I'm interested to see how their defense is going to hold up, uh, which is Crazy talk, because normally whenever we talk about LSU, we always talk about how, how stout their defense is um, as well. Uh, but like you said, it's another game where we want to see them rise to the occasion. I think uh, this is a good litmus test to see where Chip Kelly's program is. Um, like you said, not not rock, or, uh, not or sky-high expectations. I think 7-5 and five would be a successful year for UCLA. But I think this is another good litmus test to see if they can hang with LSU with the talent that LSU has. Um, I think you're feeling a little bit better. Um, we'll see how packed uh, the Rose Bowl is. I believe they were giving out free tickets. It was fans. not pretty. It was not pretty last pretty, week. I saw no. some like aerial shots on Twitter. It was not great. No. Um, so uh, they're 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 not trying to actively practice social distancing. Um, but uh, it sure looked like it uh, against Hawaii. So 
hopefully they have a little bit better of a crowd, but, um, but no, I think same thing. I think this is a game LSU should win by probably two touchdowns, but I, um, but once again, this is a line I'm probably not going to touch because it wouldn't shock me if UCLA, if they're able to run the football effectively, um, be able to stay in this game. But uh, Darren Torrin Robinson does need to play better. He did not look great against uh, Hawaii. I think he was only 10 of 20 for 130 yards. Um, so he needs to play better if they want a chance uh, to win this game. Uh, I think the interesting thing with these lines is what, what do you think this line would be if UCLA hadn't played on Saturday? I mean, is it closer to LSU by a touchdown? I bet it's about seven and a half. Eight yeah. I mean, it, it's just like, I'm very tempted to like pick LSU outright three and a half. Yeah. Like if it's less than three, like we were really wrong about LSU or maybe we were really wrong about UCLA, but that's, I just yeah. thought that was interesting. Like same thing, like with Illinois, like if Illinois, doesn't play Nebraska week one is the, is the line even smaller? Like I, I think that's just kind of an interesting, like what if, um, all right. So rounding out the weekend and, and kind of the great thing about week one is you get these games on Sunday and Monday, yeah. Notre Dame, Florida state Sunday on ABC at four 30 Pacific, six 30 central, and then Louisville and Ole Miss from Atlanta, 5 PM mountain time, 8 PM Eastern on, um, on ESPN. Uh, Ole Miss ten point favorites against Louisville and Notre Dame only seven and a half at least on sorry on Caesars seven and a half on Caesars um, against Florida State. Um, Lucas, which one of these two do you want to uh, do you want to kind of touch on? Yeah, I'll, I guess I'll touch on uh, Notre Dame Florida State. Um, interesting line considering Notre Dame is a top ten team right now. Uh, it was in the playoff last year, and they're playing a Florida State team. That did Florida State even have? Did they have a losing record last year? I don't they know. did not have a winning record. That's for sure. <laughs> um, still in kind of a rebuild mode um, under under Mike Norvell. Uh, they do. Did they name is uh, Mackenzie Milton going to be their starter? That's a really good question. I'll look that up. I don't think so. I have just have not really been following Florida State. I, you know, listening to you know, huh. podcasts. So okay. Sorry, real quick. So I just Google Florida State QB, and it's from the Tallahassee Democrat. Florida State releases first football depth chart without listing a starting quarterback. <laughs> so the answer is no, Lucas. So it wouldn't shock me. So because it's between him and Jordan Travis. Yeah. So more than likely, wouldn't shock me if they try to play both of them. Um, but and in Notre Dame, we, we kind of talked about it with them briefly last week. I mean, they only return, I think, nine starters from last year's team. So they do lose a lot. They do have Tyron Williams back. Um, he's a stud running back. Um, and they do have a vet in Jack Cohn, uh, who has, you know, the last time he started a game was in the Rose Bowl um, for the Badgers. So the guy who's played in big-time games. I guess people are just thinking because this is Florida State, Florida State did knock off. North Carolina last year in Tallahassee. Uh, but I just don't see it. I just think Notre Dame, the way they've recruited, the stability that they've had over the last few years, we have no idea what Florida State's offensive line is going to look. That's been a disaster, really, for the last three years. Um, and Notre Dame usually beats you in the trenches. So, uh, and I mean, just for selfish reasons, because I think uh, Wisconsin plays Notre Dame in three weeks. Yeah. Or in like less than four weeks. So 
Um, really interested to see them play out. Um, but what do you think? Any thoughts on that game or the? Yeah, the I think um, you know, I think Notre Dame just losing a lot and some uncertainty with their quarterback maybe causes that line to be single digits when it probably should be closer to ten or twelve. Um, this to me, like I love like, college football tropes. Like I joked earlier about like the Michigan, like you like that's a game like you turn on and it's like 14, 10 in the third quarter and you're freaking out. This is the game where like Notre Dame's up 24, nothing in the second quarter. And you're like, Holy shit, what's going on with Mike Norvell? Like, <laughs> like, like this is the game where like Florida state, the offense looks like a, like a disaster for the first quarter. Both quarterbacks are playing. I just don't ever think it's a good sign when a coach doesn't name a quarterback. Cause that tells me two things. One, the coach is indecisive and two, neither guy is taking the job. Like, I just think it's personally dumb to not, I mean, if, if you're playing, like if you're Florida state and you're playing, you know, I was going to say central Florida, but like if, 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 if you're playing an FCS team or a bad group of five team, that's fine. Play each quarterback a half and see what happens. You're playing Notre Dame on national TV, man. I, I just think you, sh- you should know at some point what you have. Yeah. Um, Bud Elliott, um, who's on cover three, thinks it'll be Jordan Travis because Milton. I, I just don't know if Milton, from what he has said, has looked like the UCF McKenzie Milton. Mm-hmm. I think they know what they're getting with Jordan Travis. So I would expect Jordan Travis to get the majority of the snaps. And I would expect Notre Dame to win this game by two scores, probably. Um because I just I don't I need to see it from Florida State. I just need to see it. I remember watching them lose to Georgia Tech week one last year, you know, or whenever their their first game was last year. Now they did beat North Carolina at home, so maybe there's some Doak Walker magic first game since the passing of Bobby Bowden. Like maybe they're fired up. Going to be a big recruiting weekend for them. So I just think Notre Dame is such a clean, crisp program. Um, they're just such a business like like Brian Kelly has that thing functioning like almost as high as it it, it can get. Mm-hmm. So I uh, it's an interesting game, but I, I think it's a game that might not be that close. And then Louisville Ole Miss is just going to be give me all the points. I mean, like whatever the over is, just just hammer the over seventy five and a half. It's oh god, that's such a big number. I think it's the highest from uh, week one. <laughs> this is such a big number. I'll be interested to see what Matt Corral looks like. Um, he's a guy that's gotten some love is maybe the best quarterback in the SEC, at least best returning quarterback. And Ole Miss is kind of the X factor. A lot of people like Ole Miss. A lot of people yeah. are, are picking them third in the SEC West behind A&M and Alabama, mm-hmm. ahead of LSU, ahead of Mississippi State, ahead of Auburn, ahead of Arkansas. So that's another game that's like, you know, the hype train. If they win 48 to, to you know, 13, the hype will be off the charts. The lane, you know, lane's always entertaining. Like the lane train is always, is, you know, it's always fun. So uh, I think, I think we got some good, some good national games. I'm excited. Um, yeah, anything uh, else before we get yeah, to our picks you want to touch on in week more one? Than likely they're three and oh, when Alabama comes to visit them the first week of October, um, which like you mentioned, the hype train will be nonstop. Oh, yeah. People will be wondering what lane would tweet at Nick Saban. Uh, probably after that game if they were to win. But, yeah, no, that that game. And Malik Cunningham on the other side is a fun player to watch, too, for Louisville. So, um, and neither team really likes to play defense uh, very often. So I would take that, but I, I'm i a little iffy because I took the high over this past week with uh, uh, with 
UCLA, Hawaii did not quite work out. Um, But no, otherwise I think it's a good slate of games. There's um, I think I had tweeted it today. I said, we have great headliners, but some of these filler games are good games too. Um, Like I just noticed here, like Nevada at Cal, I think is a, is an intriguing game. Nevada was one of the group of five teams I had picked. Um, uh, one of my top three ones. And then like BYU, Arizona, uh, what's Arizona look like and how good is BYU going to be this year? So I think yeah, uh, a lot of good filler in this week one, which is usually not the case. There's usually maybe yeah. a handful of good games, but, um, but, uh, kind of getting to that, I guess, should we go, uh, right to our picks? Let's do it. So I got, so, um, we do three picks. Um, we do just a general pick against the spread or an over-under. We do a lock, which is one you're feeling extra confident about. And then we do an upset, which has to be a team which is an underdog. Mm-hmm. Last week, Lucas, you went one and two. You correctly yes. picked Illinois plus six and a half, never a doubt. You lost the over 68 and a half in Illinois or uh, in uh, UCLA, Hawaii. And then you lost Connecticut plus 27 and a half. Patrick also went one and two. He had Nebraska minus six and a half. Ooh. He had Fresno State minus 27 and a half as his lock, okay. uh, which hit. His upset was Hawaii plus 17 and a half. Good, good night. <laughs> I had a winning record. My lock was the under 54 and a half in Illinois, Nebraska, which was a win. My upset pick was UConn with you. We lost that one. And then my UTEP minors. Minus nine and a half cash. They won 30 to three. So I'm two and one. You and Patrick both one and two. Quick note on the Illinois Nebraska game. The un, the, the over under closed at 52 and a half. I don't know if you know what the score was, Lucas. It was, it was 30 to 22. Yeah. So Nebraska scores with about two and a half minutes left. They're down 30 to 22. Oh. And the kicker misses the extra point. Yeah. And it basically hits the under and not the over. Talk about a bad beat. Like they missed two extra points in that entire game. Yes. Yes. I mean, we've touched a lot on Nebraska, but just a dreadfully played football game for Nebraska all the way around. And like maybe one of the dumbest safeties you'll ever oh. see too. <laughs> Catches just it at the one. <laughs> throws it forward in the end. So, so what a great way. Like the first points of the college football season. Like on the on the end of season reel, I hope that makes it like the first play is a... first play, and of course it's a Big Ten noon kickoff. Uh, just all, all yeah. we were missing was Beth Mullins making the um, real quick. Also, like I'm a TV producer for my job. That game was so terribly produced. The graphics really? were awful. <laughs> so like like when Adrian Martinez lost the fumble and Illinois scored. They like the graphic package gave Nebraska the touchdown and had Adrian Martinez touchdown. They had like wrong penalties called. It was just like stuff that only I would notice as like work in that field. But just like like one of the cameras behind the uh, like the goalpost was not working. So like you know how for a field goal they'll show you where the kick is coming towards you. Well, they could only do that for one side of the field. Which was really tough. It was just like little things like that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. as an aside. All right, so Patrick did text me his picks. He texted us his picks. I don't know if you've looked at them yet. Let's start with our pick, our our just our pick. Um, and Lucas, we will give you honors on the tee box here. Where are you going? Okay, so my 
pick is actually this game we did not talk about. We just kind of did. And I am actually going to take Arkansas minus 19.5 against Rice. At uh, it's it's in Fayetteville. Um, I just thought I know Arkansas might be a little bit down this year. They did lose a lot um, in Sam Pittman's from Sam Pittman's pretty good first year. Yeah. Um, and I know Rice. I believe they had uh, not a great season last year, but an okay one for their standards. But I just thought nineteen and a half, an SEC opponent, first game of the season against a Rice team that historically is not very good. Um, so I will take that one. No other reason, but besides that, I like that. I like that. I hadn't considered it, but I uh, I like it. My pick is going to be Georgia plus three and a half. I teased it when we talked about that game. I think the wrong team's favored. I think Georgia's going to win the game. You're going to give me three and a half, even if they lose by a field goal, I still win. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a low scoring game. I'm I contemplated switching this to the under when I heard what was it fifty one and a half, fifty two. Yeah. yeah. I contemplated that, but I just think I just think Georgia's going to win, and I've thought of that for a while. I think they're better. Um, the Kirby Smart factor scares me a little bit. I don't know how good he is in big games, and Davos won a lot of big games, but I'm going to pick Georgia plus three and a half um, against Clemson. Patrick uh, texted in his pick, and he is going Texas minus eight and a half against the Louisiana Cajuns, Ooh. which... That's leads me to mine. That is my upset pick. I am picking Louisiana plus eight and a half um, because I love chaos. I love fun. And I, one of the reasons why I liked Illinois is because I just thought it'd be hilarious if Illinois beat Nebraska. And sure enough, it's been, it's, it's been hilarious. The content's been great. Um, <laughs> I am picking Louisiana plus eight and a half against Texas. Um, I think it's a big line. I think this is closer to a, you know, six and a half, five, four kind of a game. Texas could very well still win. I could see them winning by six or seven or three or four. I don't know if I see them winning by over a touchdown. If they win, I could also see Louisiana outright winning. So I'm going to pick Louisiana plus eight and a half as my upset. That's intriguing. That's intriguing. Uh, My upset, which I think is going to lead into your lock. Um, We talked it. We kind of touched on it. I'm actually taking Miami. Oh, here we go. Against Alabama. Um, I know we had talked, you know, Bama usually dominates teams uh, in this first game, but I think with the new starting quarterback, you know, Derek King is kind of the type of quarterback that usually gives teams like Alabama issues, uh, guys that are, you know, both that, that dual threat. Sure. Uh, and I just think, you know, Miami might be trying to find something to prove, you know, Manny Diaz, this is a big year, I think for him. Um, and they're, and I mean, and I think they're talented on both sides of the ball. I don't think they win this game, but this, this to me feels like a backdoor cover where, you know, Alabama's fine winning this game. They're up maybe like they were last year against Notre Dame. It's 31, 10 in the fourth quarter. And then they just give up like a garbage touchdown yeah. to Miami with like, two minutes left to win like 31 17 or 34 17 or whatnot. So I'm going to go backdoor cover. I'm going to take Miami as my upset pick plus 18 and a half. Uh, okay. Um, I like that. I mean, I, I thought Miami at first cause it, it's, it, it is a big line, right? When you see the numbers, it's Alabama, number one, Miami, the top 15 team. 
shouldn't be an 18 and a half point. I, I just have a lot of faith in, uh, in Bama. Patrick's upset pick is Georgia plus three and a half. Um, we don't have any rules about what the line has to be, but you know, feels like kind of feels like kind of a cop out from Patrick picking, Catch. picking Georgia plus eight and plus 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 three and a half, but <laughs> we'll allow it. Um, all right. So my lock is Alabama minus 18 and a half. Um, for the reasons I said earlier, in 2018, they beat Louisville 51-14. In 2019, they beat Duke 42-3. I think Miami is better than both those teams, probably by a good amount. But every year, I think Alabama wants to come out and make a statement. And I think they're going to make it. I think Bryce, I, I think there's some, I think Miami defensively is going to have a lot to handle with Bryce Young because there's, there's not the film on Bryce Young. Mm-hmm. There's not the film on these Alabama running backs, these Alabama receivers. And Alabama has become wide receiver you and they're explosive and i think they're going to get miami for some big plays i think they could i think they win this game by like 2021 20, i don't think it's a you know 30 point game i i i could see it yeah. it's not like it's likely but like a 41 21 44 20 something like that give me um give me alabama minus 18 and a half uh before we get to yours patrick's lock is ohio state minus 14 and a half at um Ooh. illinois uh, or not, sorry, I keep saying Illinois, man. I'm obsessed Minnesota, with Illinois. Minnesota. At Minnesota. <laughs> At Minnesota. He's got 14 and a half. I believe that's still 14 and a half, right? Because on Caesars, yes. it's 14. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I looked at that line and thought about it as well. Um, the hook scares me a little bit. But this, to me, I think is another game. Kind of like Alabama, where you, you're maybe overvaluing um, Minnesota a little bit. Mm-hmm. And you're forgetting just how good Ohio state is aside from quarterback. I mean, best receiving corps in the country, two or three star running backs, so much talent on defense. Um, I, I, I think he's on the right side there and I could see, I see it. I see it more like a three or three, you know, three, three touchdown, 24, 27 point game. So, um, but we'll wrap it up with your lock of the week. My lock. So I'm actually doing uh, new rules this year. We can take over unders. So I am actually going to take the over once again. His life is too short uh, to bet the under. We don't bet unders uh, here, baby. We don't bet unders. So uh, West Virginia, Maryland, over <laughs> 57 and a half. That's a good uh, number. So I just think I just think both these teams are going to be pretty good offensively. They return a lot on that side of the ball. And we saw last year, Maryland could put up points uh, uh, during time, especially against teams like Penn state, Minnesota, uh, two of their wins last year. So I think this could be a, an old fashioned, you know, 35, 31 type game. Um, yeah. So I'm going to take that one. The over hopefully doesn't burn me this week. Like it did last week at 57 and a half. All right. So just to recap here, I am going with Georgia plus three and a half for my pick. My lock, Alabama minus 18 and a half. My upset, Louisiana plus eight and a half. Lucas for his pick is Arkansas minus 19 and a half against Rice. The over 57 and a half in West Virginia, Maryland is his lock. His upset is the Miami Hurricanes plus 18 and a half. Patrick Wagner is going Texas minus eight and a half for his pick. His lock is Ohio State minus 14 and a half. And his upset is Georgia plus three and a half against Clemson. Uh, Lucas, man, I know you're going to the Wisconsin game. I don't know how much football you're going to be watching this weekend, but um, best of luck to you. Have a great time in Madison. Watch a lot of football. Drink a lot of beer. 
college football's back. It's going to be a great weekend, man. Yeah, no, I'm excited. I hoping to watch as much football as I can this weekend. Um, luckily, the Badgers play at 11, and pretty much most of the other best games are completely after that. So that's the one bright spot about them playing so early. So you do the same. Uh, if you go to the ASU game, be sure to shoot picks. Because um, really, it's been two years since I've been to a college football game. Which yeah, man. For me, it's a long time. <laughs> so... Uh, I am uh, I am very, very excited. And hopefully both of our teams, I feel pretty good about ASU being Southern Utah, but hopefully, I hope so. hopefully both of our teams can get a, can get a W. Um, all right. That's going to do it for us. Patrick Wagner will be back next week. Hopefully assuming his voice is back uh, for Lucas Rohde. I'm Ryan Baffle. Lucas have a great week, everyone. And uh, in the words of Patrick Wagner, stay frosty. <laughs>